Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining Life on Earth podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday season. It is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show. I hope you fully enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed having this conversation with my special guest, very special guest, Mr. David Bianchi. David is an actor. He's a spoken word poet. I'm going to read this brief passage of Wikipedia And I will also include it on the show notes so you can then read more if you're interested. He's an actor, producer, and screenwriter with over 90 professional films and television credits as well as independent films. He can be seen in major films and indies like Elizabeth Town, Priest, Philly Brown, as well as numerous TV appearances on shows like the HBO Westworld, Unsolved, Animal Kingdom, Shooter, The Last Ship, Southland, Pretty Liars, and Days of Our Lives. There's a lot more on David, and you can go into his Wikipedia and read the remaining. He's uh, certainly a multi-talented individual, and he's certainly, in my eyes, in my perspective, a light worker and someone who is here to collaborate and to who is here to really make this planet make this earth a better place so we share a lot in common we also go way back we first met in third grade and we both had uh, some pretty amazing experiences together we also lived in los angeles he still does he lives in la And so when I lived there, we also had many moments together and many interesting stories to tell. David is going to go back and tell you how he found that spark that has brought him where he is today, as well as his many shadows, the light and the shadows, and the shadows that have assisted him in finding and redirecting his path to something bigger, to something bigger than him, bigger than anyone, to really a surrendering and to following his authentic authentic path. So it's a really beautiful trajectory and he has a lot to share. He has a book coming up very soon and I hope you enjoy us, enjoy the conversation when you join us, David and I. The past few months, two, three months, it's been pretty intense for me. There's been a lot of shifts in my personal life and in a way that I have, not in a bad way, but in a way that I have had to go really go inside to pause, to take a deep breath and to really kind of um, have a recalibration of my energies, a system upgrade and get in tune with what are the shifts and how is this going to be presented into the works that I do, which is everything that we do is an extension of who we are, correct? You guys know that. So going through this process, I've had many awakenings this past few months And I've had many revelations, and I fully intend to record a podcast, hopefully sooner than later, and share all of this with you. One thing that I've had to do is take a step back from teaching so many public classes and 
then redirecting that energy into a content that feels more relevant to where I am right now. With that, I have developed a whole new program. It's called the Light Code. There are three different levels of coaching in this Light Code program. It is a highly individualized curriculum for each individual who goes through it. And we go through together in this journey of the self to the self, right, with a big handshake for being there with you. And there is a curriculum to follow and, you know, many readings. It's super interested, interesting, sorry. I am already offering this. We am already going through it with certain people, certain individuals. It can only take a handful of people at a time because of the um, intensity of the program. It is something that will certainly bring you to the next level. So if you are interested in this program, email me to shantiyoganola at gmail.com. As well, if you are interested in my deepening your practice and training school, you also email me and I'm still running my 200-hour and my 300-hour programs for certification on a national and international level. Uh, The website for the training school is shantiyogatrainingschool.com. So I leave you with that. Uh, In this holiday season, please take care of yourselves. Ask yourself, how do I support my physical body? What are the practices that I need to do in order to stay healthy, body, mind, spirit? Sometimes in the winter, you know, a lot of animals hibernate. So it might be a time to go inside, to check in with yourself, to take a look at the whole year, the things that happened. What are the things that made you grow, evolve? What are the things that didn't? And how can we learn from those and why? Right? Perhaps a little more journaling. I myself have been waking up in meditation every single day. That is non-negotiable. We really have to sit and breathe. There's so many programs that you can utilize if you don't feel comfortable sitting and breathing on your own. I personally recommend Headspace. There's an app. You can get that on your phone. You can start with 10 minutes and build it up to however you know many you want, maybe 20. Um, there's so many guided meditations that Andy offer on that app. is amazing. We're simply sitting and breathing, taking long walks in nature, sleep longer hours during this winter. And yeah, just connect with yourself and see what is it that you need for you. Because no one else better than you knows what you need for you. And um, so, you know, find that, connect. It's all about... You can't love another unless you love yourself. So I'm going to leave you with that and enjoy this conversation with David and I. Thanks for joining us, guys. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, 
and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hello, David. Hello. Hi, welcome to Life on Earth podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, David Bianchi. <laughs> ah, yeah, here I am. And last I checked, I am still living on planet Earth. <laughs> That's a good thing. So we're on the same place, <laughs> at least multidimensionally also. To a certain degree, one could argue that. Yes. So how are you doing today, David? I'm great. I'm, I'm great. I am always in a... I always have to remind myself to be in a perpetual state of gratitude because, you know, life is complicated and it's and it's ever changing and most of it I can't control. So I have to remind myself to be grateful for what I have as opposed to the things that I don't. Yes, I absolutely agree. And I love that you said that, especially this week, because um, for all the listeners of Life on Earth, we are recording on Thanksgiving week. So couldn't be more appropriate for us to really express that gratitude every single day with every breath that we take i really feel that so thank you david for being here on life on earth for hanging out with me um online on air i am super happy excited thrilled and thankful to have you you are fantastic so for the listeners who are not familiar with you David, I'd like for us to start. You're an actor, spoken word poet, writer now. What else? I mean, painter. So many things. Yeah. I mean, I, I primarily, I, I live and work out of Hollywood, California. You know, I'm primarily known um, as an actor, but I think that as, as an individual, I'm an artist of multiple disciplines. I'm uh, mostly known as an actor and a producer, kind of film producer. But I am also a screenwriter. I did just complete uh, writing my first book. Um, which Congratulations. I'm now, thank you. I'm now in the phase, phases of uh, procuring and interviewing the right editors to determine, you know, who's going to help me edit the book and, and really, really get it to the next level to get it ready for publishing for the first quarter of 2019. Yeah. Abstract painter, uh, spoken word poet, traveler, nomad, lover, madman, you know. Global well, citizen. Global citizen. Absolutely. For sure. For sure. I, I really want to kind of go back to your story and like how, because to me it's fascinating. And part of it is I have seen your journey, or at least I have seen like a big chunk of it and different parts of it. And it's really amazing because one of the things that I'm really curious, and I am always curious with that, especially with people that are authentic, like very true to their art, like yourself. How did this start? When did this first came about? And the cool thing is that we have known each other since third grade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, since third grade. So um, it's amazing. Yeah, we're we're definitely pushing a few decades here. Yeah, uh, it's really hard for me to conceptualize as to when it all began, right? Because I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, philosophically, I can argue that you know I was an instinct of God's creation before I even knew what I was. I can argue it all the way back to the embryo. I think that. Intrinsically, I was born with the genetic coding to be an artist. Uh, when people ask me, David, who are you? What do you do? I say, well, I'm an artist first, and then I'm professionally an actor and a filmmaker. Um, and then there are various disciplines that fall there under. Um, because I think that 
people are, I think, genetically predisposed to whatever it is that they do. And some people really, truly excel in life. And some people just sort of coast. And I think that the people that coast are typically people that aren't necessarily in touch with what their genetic or their molecular level gift is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is a, a process of discovery, but it's also a daring process of fighting to pursue and attain and reach and harness the value of that particular gift. With my story, for example, you know, you and I met, as you mentioned, in third grade in Mexico City. You know, my first time on stage, I, I was at Green Gates uh, Elementary School where we were going to school together at that time. And you and I were, you know, kind of besties so many years ago. <laughs> that was my first opportunity to play a leading role on stage in front of a large You hospital. were Captain Hook. I was a Captain Hook. I still have pictures of me with the little mustache painted on my face. And so that was the first bite of the quote-unquote actor's bug. And so I am absolutely convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that my genetic code or my molecular level gift is in the world of performance and being an orator and using my physical form to not only evoke a catharsis with an audience, but using my physical form to raise awareness, to raise inspiration. And that can be done vis-a-vis a leadership talk, that can be done vis-a-vis a poem, or it can be done vis-a-vis a performance in front of a camera, right? Mm-hmm. But that is my gift. Now, although I first tapped into that in a, at a conscious level in third grade, It wasn't until my early adulthood that I got to the point that I was convinced beyond everything that I knew that this was something that I had to pursue in order to manifest this destiny and excel at this at a maximum level. Mm -hmm. Because there's a choice point that happens in one's life where one has to decide, am I willing to forego everything I've experienced learned, been preconditioned, taught, educated, lied to, manipulated into, whatever my narrative is, am I willing to abandon that narrative to step into this new discovery of who I am and chase that to the point of excellence? That's the choice point. How many people work in nine to five positions, but resent that nine to five position, but still do well? Mm-hmm. But resent that they didn't do something else or resent that they didn't choose to do something else or they resent that they didn't go after that quote unquote dream. And so I think that um, not everybody knows what decision to make that choice point. So I made that choice point for myself at about, let's say about age 24, when okay. I gone through various high schools and I was always doing plays in high school you know I was expelled from six high schools I never graduated but every school that I was expelled from you know I always managed to do a school play before I started you know fucking about so where what do you think that that came from like because I know from knowing you and even back then you've always been really extremely smart extremely like to the point and so where do you think that came from was just because that was too too much of a container to have you in a in a program like that, such a high school, or I blame it primarily on culture shock, massive amounts of culture shock. You have to keep in mind. So, being a person of color and what they call me in Hollywood, ethnically ambiguous, being a person of color, being raised in Mexico City. So, I went from upstate New York, which was a very white collar upper middle class sort of white neighborhood in the early 80s and then you know living in that environment and being the only brown kid on the block going to a white school you know I was raised with racism that I didn't quite understand 
because I was too young to really comprehend what was happening around me. I mean, I remember vividly my my second grade principal, I had a referral for insubordination and he told me that he was going to take my referral and put it in his nigger box, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't realize what the term nigger meant until I came back to the United States when I was 16 years old. So when I went to Mexico and I lived a silver spoon life, where we had, you know, a staff that cleaned the home and, you know, and I, and I was at a very Excel sort of scholastic rate and mm-hmm. then I was learning multiple languages and so on and so forth, sort of living the bourgeoisie life mm-hmm. to get sent back to America and be thrown into the public school system with the same kids that knew me from before. Well, suddenly I was a brown kid in a white neighborhood who spoke with an English UK based accent as a result of my scholastics, right. who had seen the world, who was it, who became a global citizen, who knew nothing but you know, his maids and his, you know, 10 bedroom house and so on and so forth. But the public school kids didn't take too kind of that. So they beat the shit out of me. Wow. I had no idea about that. That's interesting. And so when I came back to America, I was bullied. I was severely bullied. Mm -hmm. I I really got beat down. Not only did I get bullied physically, Mm -hmm. I was bullied. I was bullied racially because I wasn't black enough. I didn't understand hip hop culture. I wasn't Latino enough because the Latinos on the East Coast were from the Dominican Republic or for Puerto Rico. They weren't Mexican. So culturally, I had no identity. And so I had two choices. I was either going to be preyed on or I was going to become a monster. And when I became a monster, I found that I actually got respect from other kids, but not the kids that you would want it from. Not the scholastics. I got respect from the fighters. And so that's where I found my identity, right? And the only other piece to me that actually had an assemblance of personal identity was when I was on stage, yeah, I mean, even going back to that play that we did together, Peter Pan, I remember when I saw you on stage, it's it's interesting because it's so long, but I still, you know, there's always some vivid memories that you have. And I remember you just completely coming to life, you know, and, and we had practices and there was more than one performance for that theater. And I just remember, wow, this is fantastic. You know, you were in, truly in your element. And then come forth many years knowing that you were then at some point in Los Angeles which then we also reconnected in LA and then seeing what you you know your trajectory it was to me very obvious it was very obvious to me that that could have been you know an outcome for you and uh, because I had seen it so and maybe that's why the question was like let's go back because I guess for me maybe you you felt that that developed over the years. And like you said, who knows? Could have been your mother's wound or past lives, whatever. But we could go deep. But it could also be, you know, I saw this child that was doing what I saw was going to be doing, you know, for this lifetime. And this is so brilliant in a way, you know? It's fascinating to me that you saw that and that you had that vivid memory. And thank you for telling me that I never knew that information. Yeah. But this is what's so important about what I just told you about where we are now, right? Because we never talk about the in-between. Yeah. We talk about the beginning and the end. What was it like then? Where are we now? The in-between is really the steak and potatoes of what someone's journey is. Mm-hmm. And what you just mentioned to me is so fascinating because I can't rob anybody of their journey. Right. Nor could you rob me of mine. You could have told me in third grade, David, you're going to be a star. I see it. Oh, my God, what you do, Peter? You could have told me that's so I was blue in the face. Yes. But I still needed to go through my transgressions in order to determine what my other side of the crescent is. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
it's almost we go back to the old sayings that pain is the cornerstone of destiny. Pain is a cornerstone of discovery. It takes a place of desperation to break out of a place of complacency to get to a place of maximum potential. Absolutely. And so that sort of in between when you and I were not connected was when life was teaching me what I needed to understand about myself to put me on the path to long-term greatness, which is where I think I stand right now. And you have so much from all of those experiences, have so much now that you are sharing, not only through your art and your work as an actor, but like you were saying, the you know, we talked yesterday about your book, which I'm really interested in finding out more. And I know that you're also... The, reaching from your heart and really kind of extending it out to empower people and to get everyone to see that full potential of who you are, which in many ways, that's what I do as well. And that's why this is so fitting with this podcast, because to see that and I see your videos and I see in the spoken words, it's just amazing to me to have that journey. So can you speak a little bit to that? Like, as to where you are, why do you have that? What is the message? Do you have the message? What the book is about? Or, you know, what juices you today? Sure. No, of course. And, and thank you for asking. It's a great point of, of conversation. The name of the book currently is called Pursue, Reach, Attain, Retain, Repeat. So Pursue, Reach, Attain, Retain, Repeat. The acronym is PRAR, which is P-R-A-A-R. Okay. And what that in my heart stands for is a lion's roar. You know, if I perform it's prar, it's this it's this becoming of oneself. It's 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 finding out how to manifest that molecular level gift. You have to go through your life to determine what that molecular level mm-hmm. gift is. And when you get to it, there are different stages of how you get to that place, right? Mm-hmm. So Say, for example, the pursuit stage, the pursue, reach, attain, retain, repeat. Sorry, I misspoke. P-R-A-R-R. Okay. It is about looking at the stages of how to pursue that molecular level gift and use it continuously. It's a spin cycle to success. If you think about it, I always use this example. I coach a lot of men and I mentor a lot of men. I said, let's say, for example, you're in a social setting and you see an attractive woman across the room. You find her attractive. Right. Mm -hmm. So at that point, you have a choice point. Right. You want to say hello to her. Okay, so that's the beginning of your pursuit. There is an entire set of decisions, conscious states and thought processes that just go with one stage of pursuit. She's across the room. There's a crowded room. Who is she looking at? Is she looking at anyone else? Is she looking at me long enough? Okay, is this my choice point to pursue? I'm going to cross the room and then I'm going to engage. There are so many thought processes that go with just that instinctual moment to act on your decision because we make thousands of decisions per day, but we don't act on most of them. And in fact, most people I know make very important decisions about themselves that they never act on. I'm going to quit drinking today. I'm going to quit smoking today. I'm going to lose 30 pounds this year. How many people make monumental decisions about themselves that don't step into them? That's what this book is really, really about. It is about stepping into, again, the molecular level gift, which is the gift, which is what you, take you, for example, Nathalie, mm-hmm. you have this, this molecular level gift that is designed for physical form, connecting with the universe, speaking to people in a way that only that you can, 
conveying your message about the spirit, the universe, the inner God, mm-hmm. the things that only you can do, that you have this God level gift that has been yeah. instilled only in you that only you can do as a result of who you are. And it is about discovering that. So once you pursue it, then you have to reach for it. Because once I know what it is and I'm pursuing it, now I have to reach for it. Because just because it's within my circumference doesn't mean I, I have the strength to reach my hand out and grab it. That's beautiful, David. And so if someone is at a point that they still haven't found that, do you have any tips or any, like, how do you find that if you haven't found it? How do you find, how do you even begin the clues? Are there nuances that show up is it paying attention to the messages of the because some people like you said really you know they're still searching for it no matter what how old sure no that's that's a very important a very valid question the only answer that i might have to that and this is impromptu because no one's ever asked me that question publicly is listen learn how to listen mm-hmm. and Pay attention to everything that is around you, about you, and inside you. I use God as a as the big guidance in my life. Not any religious God. To me, not not a guy in the clouds that has a beard. To me, God is the inner voice inside of me. Some people can call it your conscience. See, my left side is rooted in my ego, which is my perceived wants, my ills, and my desires. My right side is rooted in my conscience, which I believe is rooted in my my moral compass, which is rooted in God. That voice will speak to you when you reach different chapters and phases of your life. And eventually that voice will illustrate a pattern to you. That voice will speak to you and explain to you what it is you are destined to do. And sometimes... The reveal is an invisible teacher. Mm. Let's take take a guy like Danny Trejo, for example. If you don't know Danny Trejo, he's a very famous actor. He plays Machete, mostly widely known for Machete, a lot of Robert Rodriguez films. Okay. So that's no guy. He was a guy who was doing heroin when he was 12 years old. Um, He was a bare-knuckle boxing champion at a maximum security prison. He got out and he was working in recovery. Well, now he's widely known as a very famous actor, and he's been sober for decades, and he became an actor out of result of sponsoring a man who was having trouble with chemical substances while he was working on set. So he just filled his obligations as a sponsor. He showed up on that set and said, hey, man, I'm just here to help you out. Meanwhile, he's got tats all over his body. They were shooting a movie that had that needed extras that looked like gangbangers. So this director was like, hey, man, you want to be in my movie? you got a great look. And he's like, uh, okay. And the rest is history. He, wow. never knew, he never knew he was going to be an actor. Right. He never knew. But he listened to the universe. And showed up. When the, when the universe spoke, he listened. And he followed his heart. He followed his God conscience. And he let it lead him. So that's the only way that I could, although that is a little esoteric. I think it's absolutely true that we have to listen. Yeah. I think that that speaks a lot on intuition as well. You know, that inner voice for you to be able to listen, you have to sometimes be able to be remain still to quiet down some. And sometimes that could mean different things for different people. But you need to also be able to, because when we're on the rat race, then it's very difficult or just doing things because you were conditioned to do or because 
you were told to do or because this is this is how it is this is how a day should go so sometimes just taking that step back and like you said listening to that inner voice god whatever you want to call it and then taking action because yeah. if he had not if he had listened to it but he had said okay no i'm not going to you know do this then this wouldn't have but he kind of went with the flow from the story that you are telling me in a, in a very conscious way and that's and yeah, beautiful and, and although you know we make it sound you know it's, it's a lot easier said than done you know my, my story is very similar in that you know when it got to the point that i was in my early 20s i was in and out of jails okay and so and i remember vividly laying in a bunk bed you know looking at my my cellmate's bunk looking at the springs above my head and knowing Hearing God, that voice talked to me and saying, David, if this doesn't stop, this is where you'll spend the rest of your life. So I have a question for you. At what point, right? At what point or, or when was that last time that you go enough? Enough is enough. Well, that's, that's exactly what I'm describing now. And I'm laying in that bed and I said to myself, okay, David, this is the time. This is reinvention time. The rubber has hit the road. You've run the tires down to the rims. You're blowing sparks. What are you going to do? That was my choice point. I wasn't beyond the point of no return. And so I said to myself, listen, look at the pattern of your life. And that's when I started going through the Rolodex of all my experience because success and failure are cyclical, okay? It is the nature of the reciprocity of one against the other. And I went back into the Rolodex of my life and I realized that although I had been expelled from every single one of these schools, I always managed to get a plan. I remember all the way back to before I moved to Mexico, we used to do improv games on the swing set. We would act out TV commercials for each other on the swing set. This was before I moved to Mexico, probably as early as first or second grade. I'd always been a class clown. I started connecting the dots and I started listening to the almighty teacher known as the universe. Yeah. And I said, this is it. This is it. I am going head first. I am not going to falter. I am going to run so fast that I will fall forward. I will fall, I will fall, and I will fall. And I will continue to fall until I stop falling and I start to stumble. And eventually I'll, start, I'll stop stumbling and I will trip, but I will never lose my stride. And so from that moment, I said, I'm going to go to theater school. And that was my choice point. That's beautiful. Where was your theater school? So now for the audience, look, I don't want to make this whole conversation really bleak. You know? <laughs> and we haven't. And, and no, of course not. And the idea is that it is about understanding where you came from so you can understand where you're going. Yes. Uh, I, went, I graduated from Arizona State University and I graduated summa cum laude. So for a guy who never graduated from high school, I graduated with a 3.98 from Arizona State University Division One theater school. Mm-hmm. Wow. So It makes I, sense. I mean, for yes, me, it makes I, sense because you, you, it was at that point you were like, I'm going to do this life and I'm going to do it well. Yeah, I, I was in my purpose. Yeah. I was absolutely in my purpose. And from that choice point, I absolutely fundamentally made it every single breath that I took was towards becoming an actor. That was my living, walking, talking mantra. I am becoming an actor. I'm doing community service. I'm becoming an actor. I'm picking up trash on the highways. I'm becoming an actor. I'm working part-time here. I'm becoming an actor. I'm going to this school for pro- on a probationary basis. I'm becoming an actor. Mm-hmm. I moved to L.A. Hey, I was a waiter. I'm becoming an actor. This is, my, this is still my theater school. Yep. And so 
as a result of that, I want to be able to use that to, to remind people that if someone like myself can rise from that sort of adversity, the common layman has really no excuse. But it really is about finding, like you talked about so, so eloquently earlier, is identifying what that beautiful gift is that only you, audience, every single man, woman, and child out there has to discover for and about themselves so they can manifest that glory or bring that magic into the world. You see, our prodigies discover it as early as age six, seven, or eight. Most successful people, very successful people might determine it in their early teens. Me, I started late, but that doesn't mean it's too late to start. Yeah, that is beautiful. Why do you love to write screenplays? Sure. Well, I started writing screenplays as a result of creating opportunities for myself. See, because I started producing because when I moved to Hollywood, I was convinced that Hollywood was waiting for me. I was going to be discovered on the street corner and everything was going to be. It wasn't like that at all. Hollywood hit me with a lot of baseball bats and it hurt. As and it does to many. <laughs> as it does to many. I mean, the Hollywood is riddled with unsuccessful stories. Yeah. Because people don't allow for the gestation to occur. This is something that we're not used to in Western culture. It's this thing called patience. Mm-hmm. It's this thing called acceptance of the process. I love that you're talking about that. This is so important. Acceptance of the process is so vital. You can't have a fine wine without aging. You can't have a unique scotch without decades of aging. Mm-hmm. These things, unfortunately, are part of the process. And there is no rhyme or reason as to what one's waiting period is versus another. Your journey is yours. And the vast majority of the lack of success that I find in the artistic community are the people that left before the miracle happened. Mm, wow. So true. Anybody out there listening, don't quit. Don't quit because if you're struggling today, you're one day closer to acquiring what you've been looking for. Yeah. So you created your reality. You created, you know, when things weren't happening the way that you were, I guess, like, you know, ready for. Then you said, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make and And you started kind of stepping into the fire and building yourself and creating avenues and, you know, and reinventing yourself. That's kind of what I'm seeing. And now you have like all these different outlets and venues and we haven't even gotten to spoken poetry, which I love. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I started writing screenplays because I wanted to be in front of a camera. But I didn't have the resources or the wherewithal to hire a screenwriter, and I didn't know how to write a script. I mean, I had done a little bit of studying in college, but I didn't know how to write a script. So I started reading scripts, and I figured out the formatting, and I started writing my own scripts. And then I didn't know how to produce, so I brought people around me that kind of knew what they were doing. And, you know, we screwed up a lot, but then we started winning, and now I'm really good at it. You know, and, and, and people always ask me, and the metaphor I always use is people always say, look, how do I get my foot in the door? And this applies to any discipline out there. I agree. Any how, discipline. How do I get my foot in the door? How do I, just build a frame and walk through it. Build a frame. Become self-sustainable. Well, if you if you don't have a door, then you can't walk through it. I'm sorry. Right. It's, it's just exactly. funny what you just said. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because people are they're always looking for something outside of the the, the, the metaphor here is stop yeah. looking for things outside of yourself to fix yourself. Yeah. 
Look within yourself. Manifest that creativity, that energy, that, 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 that information that is written into your genetic code. Explore it, dig into it, manifest it, create your own opportunities because as you begin to build door frames, people will see you as a craftsman and they will line up to ask you to build doors for them. And I love that you just said, create your own opportunities. I mean, we have no excuse in today's era, today's world, the internet. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. You know, I mean, we can do it. We can do it. We can, we have cameras, we have videos on our phones, we have outlets to write, we can do blogs, we can reach out to people. So, you know, we can do this and it's the beauty of it, you know? Absolutely. It's intense. It's intense too because it takes some courage. Like you said before, sometimes you have something in your mind. I want to do da 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 da, and you have all of figured out. But then you just it stays there, you know. Right. So it's that door that you're talking about, and it's that mm, that brings you forward. You know yeah. that needs to happen. Yes, absolutely. You know we spend a lot of time, and when you're talking about courage, you see. There's a difference between a courageous person and a timid person and that the timid person and the courageous person, they both face fear. Mm-hmm. Everybody faces fear, but the courageous man or woman will face it and walk through it. And you'll often find that once you walk through the fear, what you were so terrified of on the front end is not that scary on the back end. Mm. I love that. And you will arise a much better person for facing the things that your mind created that in the most part don't even exist. Yeah, that is beautiful. I mean, so in the spoken poetry, how does that work? What are you doing with it? If you can share just a little bit with us, because I really feel that that's an incredible part of your journey. And I do want to share that. No, and, and thank you for that. No, it absolutely is. I mean, I... I'm very interested in talking to people about what is your midterm, short-term, and long-term purpose. And we all know usually what our long-term purpose is. And, and sometimes you'll be smart enough to know your midterm purpose. But short-term purpose is what gets you out of bed every day. And, you know, spoken word for me has always been a big part of my short-term purpose. While I'm fighting for the movie or fighting for the TV show, that's midterm, long-term. But, hey writing something emotional and sharing art with the world can be a short-term purpose that can get me out of bed on Wednesday, you know, um, and also be very cathartic for my personality. And I do do a lot of leadership speaking and I do a lot of motivational talks. And within those, I do use spoken word. And uh, you asked me to do something, so I'll... I'll yeah, I was going to say, if you could be kind and share with us something, I, I would, I mean, this. I'm being selfish here. I know everybody's going to love it too, but I really want it. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> I really appreciate it. But I just want to tell you something because I really see this. I mean, I know you're super busy and you got a lot going on, but it would be so cool for you to have some kind of like mastermind program to empower, you know, these men, these people that you're talking about and a place that people could come together and share, maybe even if it's once a month. I don't know why I'm just like kind of seeing this like. Well, you know, I, I think I think that's an incredible idea and you're not the first person to bring that to my attention. And it is, you know, it's, it's time, energy, resources. But my mission artistically is to affect people in a way that will leave them hopefully permanently changed. 
to remind my audience, whomever you might be on any given day, that everything that you need is within you, that there's nothing outside you that's going to fix you, that all the diamonds that you need to become the wealthiest spiritual person, healthiest spiritual person you can be is inside you. And everything that you need is already in your own backyard. And to remind people that you have everything that you need to be as great as you want to be. I think I can listen to this over and over every day <laughs> for the next many oh. days, what you just said. Yeah. I mean, that's just a beautiful mantra. And I literally can listen to it like every day. Thank you for sharing. Um, I know we're getting close on time, but and I do. I think I want to close with a poetry, but I have just a couple more questions. Is there a, a movie... A few more. Is there like a uh, is there a favorite movie or not? Ah. Okay, <laughs> that's uh, what I thought. But I, I thought I asked. Is there a favorite? Is there a favorite movie or not? I I don't think that there's any way that one can have a favorite movie. Mm-hmm. I meant like that you've been in. Uh, yeah. Like a, I meant like that an uh, character that I you mean, have played. Yeah. No. I mean, look. One of my favorite movies to watch is is Ridley Scott's Gladiator. Another one of I'm a big Scott Free fan. Another one of my favorites is a movie called True Romance, directed by the now passed away Tony Scott. That was written by Quentin Tarantino, actually, with Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. My favorite romantic comedy is When Harry Met Sally. What about one that you have, you know, a character that you have played, one that you've been in? There's a great, great little film called Destined uh, with Corey Hardrick and Rob Riley and myself. That's it's now available in the digital space, and uh, I got to play uh, a Colombian cocaine cartel leader. Um, I, I really enjoyed that because it gave me the opportunity to step into the shoes of a guy that I've never stepped into, but do some really interesting character work and use my multiple languages because I am fluent in Spanish. Uh, I'm always interested. You in speak Portuguese very well too. I do. I do. I am always very interested in supporting Afro Latinos whether you're Afro-Latino from Hispaniola or whether you're Afro-Latino de Brazil, you know, Afro-Latinos are very underrepresented in film and television. Any opportunity that I can play one of those characters to me is very important because I think that that is me responding to the call from my ancestral lineage. Olha, can we, uh, we're going to switch this just for like a few seconds. Vamos dar um oi para a galera do Brasil aí, por favor. Alguma mensagem para os brasileiros, para as pessoas... De... <risos> vamos, vamos Alô Brasil, um amor, um abraço para todo mundo lá no Brasil Já faz tempo que não volto para o Brasil Mas um abraço, um beijão para todo mundo lá ah, Graças a Deus que, que, que Brasil é meu país E tenho raiz no Brasil David Bianchi, galera, obrigado, David. Okay, switching back to English. Yay, that was awesome, <risos> thank you Okay, what a, last question, what excites you today? What excites you today, David? Uh, oh, my Lord. What excites me today is, this may sound a little obtuse, but what excites me today is not the obvious. What excites me today is what's wrong. Mm-hmm. What excites me today are the signals that the world is sending us, not only just intimately, but politically and socially. Those are the things that excite me today because it reminds me that there's work to do. It reminds me that as a human, as human beings, we, we have to repair ourselves. 
That is that we have to give to one another in a way that is that's that's conducive to 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 joy and to happiness and and and, and not pain. It see when when you're hurting inside, it's it's your body sending you a signal that something is wrong. If you know if I'm if I have to listen to sadness. If I'm if I'm sad, I have to tell myself, okay, David, pay attention to that feeling, listen to that feeling, stay in that feeling. Don't drink it away. Don't drug it away. Don't dance it away. Stay in it. Listen to it and figure out what you can do to make it better. This is what's exciting me today. How can we come to terms with what's going on to make this place that we live in a better place? Unfortunately, we need controversy to get to a place of happiness sometimes. And I think what's what's moving me today is saying, okay, specifically in America, we're in a place of disruption. But we need disruption to get to a place of peace. And so that's moving me today. Yeah, and I agree with you. Sometimes you need disruption to get you to a place of peace. And I think that we, um, we're going through it and it's going to get there. Uh, I'm optimistic. Um, so yeah, I, I could have gave you the list of usual suspects. Yeah, I give. I'm, I'm grateful my my life, my body, my God. Let me, right. Okay, I got it. We're good there. Let's let's talk about what is the catalyst to really miss things that are beautiful and yearn for them and fight for them. Yeah. What are those things? Those things that are incorrect are moving me today to make this world a better place. Beautiful. Yesterday, you spoke about how important it is to you nowadays to be clear, clarity of mind, of spirit, and really, you have been. I mean, body wise, you you haven't been drinking. You have you clear. Can you tell me? I'm really interested as a yoga teacher and a healer. Um, what that experience has brought into? I mean, I know that that could be a long conversation, but if you had to summarize it. What that experience of clarity of substance, clarity, all that, what are the changes? What it makes you feel? It's a very powerful question. And coming from someone like you who, as a practitioner, you understand the, the, the nuances of the mind and the body. Yeah. And I'm on a quest. What, to be honest with you, to me, that is the quest. That is what I hope for all of my colleague, client, students, the clarity, the purity of mind, of body, of spirit, that laser-sharp quality. And I see this in you, and I know you shifted. So thank you for yeah. sharing. No, of course. And, and, and I'm, I'm, look, I'm, it's been a couple of years almost since I've had any mood-altering substance, whether it be alcohol or marijuana, whatever. And Congratulations. I, thank you. And, you know, what I found was this new sense of who David Bianchi is. Mm. What happened was it was terrifying. It was it was off-putting. It was clumsy. It was klutzy. I had to reteach myself how to be social, how to make love, how to make friendships, how to see other people, how to see myself, how to deal with feelings. Mm-hmm. How to deal with this world on a day-to-day basis and not escape from it, but to face it head on. See, those are the things that we discover when we get acute. And not everybody can do it because being acute is confrontational. Yeah, But it's, it's accepting that, that confrontation of oneself and the feelings which makes the avenues for maximum potential available to you. Hmm. There's, nothing, awesome. there's nothing that I can't face. There's nothing 
that is so big or so consequential that I need to now step outside of myself anymore. And now I can hear that acute, simple, soft voice of God or the universe or whatever that is to you. I can hear it in my own voice that speaks to me so quietly, but yet loudly enough that I can understand the messages when they arrive. Everything that we're talking about right now, all this, this, this big perception, this big idealistic view that I have is all a direct result of stepping away from anything that is mood altering and finding my, my spiritual self and getting back to discovering who the real childlike David once was. I see it in you. I see it now. I see that present. I see it back. It, it's there. It's, it's, it's amazing. To me, it's, it's a miracle. And it's, it's equally terrifying. But if it's not terrifying, it's not big enough. Mm-hmm. If, if, if it doesn't intimidate you, then, then, then it's not worth it. When I, we, we talk about love, there's a reason why the stakes in love are so high because when we start to fall in love, it's terrifying. Do I want to give all of myself to this other human being and participate in this thing called love and be vulnerable to you and have you accept me for everything I am and everything I'm not? Yes, I do. If I can accept the discomfort of being vulnerable with another human being, love is terrifying, but love is great. Love is off-putting, but love is at ease. If it doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. And that's also what being in touch with your innermost feelings and thoughts. It can be absolute beauty, absolute chaos, glory, mystery. It's all those things. But the greatness is always built at the foundation of it. Yep. Amazing. Thank you. Uh, David, so, you're going to leave us with that, but where can, um, I'm going to, on the show notes, I'm going to include, you know, all of your um, links, but is there a place that you prefer for people to go to Instagram, I guess? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, the, the usual suspects. So I have two accounts. Um, so for this audience, I will go to Bianchi Experience. Uh, Bianchi Experience is my Instagram handle that is dedicated strictly to leadership and motivation. Okay. And that's Bianchi Experience. If you're interested in me more as an individual and as an actor, then you can go to David Bianchi underscore official. Um, that's Instagram, um, David Bianchi actor, um, exertion films.com is my production company where you can see some of my film work as a producer, my producerial work. And also there you can see some spoken word films that I've produced. I do produce high concept spoken word films. And I will leave you with a poem. I'll leave you with a very sort of Yeah. I'm just thing. gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna include your IMD and I'm also gonna include your Wikipedia page and um well, it, does the book have a name already or no? Yeah, the book the book is Pursue Reach, Attain, Retain, Repeat. Okay. Unless, you know, unless my publishers yeah, otherwise tell me to, to go run for the hills. But okay. I, that's the title of the book. I feel pretty good about it because it really it really is a map quest. That is an interdisciplinary map quest to how to attain success. And I think that in this conversation, I've proven pretty simply that I have a Ph.D. in nothing, but I have a master's degree in life. Yeah. And, um, oftentimes, wisdom has a little more value than scholastics. 
I've discovered that very, very often. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's Earth School. You know, it's really Earth. all about Earth School. That's it. That's I've never heard that Earth School. Yeah. Like, that's it. I like that. Thank <laughs> and you have a master's, that's for sure. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, uh, I love that. Um, thank you so much for your time. And we will definitely, you know, I can't wait for the book. I can't wait to continue to see your work evolve. I can't wait to, uh, to for all of these things that we've been talking about. And I think the planet is so lucky to have you. And I think that we, you're, you're really like a good, amazing representative of humankind. So I honor you and I see your light and I so appreciate your energy on Life on Earth podcast. And, and I really appreciate everyone that has been listening. You are a blessing and I appreciate that you're going to leave us with an even more blessing of your spoken words. Yeah, and thank you for that beautiful eloquent goodbye. And, and I think that I don't like to say goodbye. I think it's just so long for now. Yeah. Um, I, I will, I do have to reciprocate that, that Natalie, you have been a major part of my life. Um, yeah. I love you very much. I love uh, you, David. I've watched you over the years, and I also feel equally honored to have you part of, 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 of my solar system. And then be mutually part of your solar system and us coming back together again. There are no accidents. There is yeah. no there is no serendipity. It just is. You know, you 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 when I first moved to LA, just for everyone that's listening, I, I have a lot of listeners in Los Angeles area. Um I had it not been for David, I don't know. You you know, I'm I'm eternally grateful for you to opening your house and letting me pretty much crash with you for the first few months so thank you i really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart and it'll never be forgotten so that's that's uh, please that's the least that, that that we can do for our for our fellow family <laughs> um and so i thought my right, brother uh, <laughs> we're I, ready yeah, for I, you I know you're, I know you're like you're like my, my sister my yeah. longest sister yeah and so i think that one of the biggest questions that you've asked me is is why right and so uh, i'll leave you with this why do I do this? I do it because I owe it. I do it because my ancestors deserve it. I do it for the mother's intuition. I do it for the hearts that I've broken. I do it because I have a loud mouth, but sometimes some words are better left unspoken. I do it because God gave me the gift to inspire, evoke change, open up your hearts, and perhaps lift you just a little bit higher. I do it because the perfection of the universe gave me voice and diction. I do it because when the spirit speaks, oftentimes you just have to pause and listen. I do it because I can no longer sleep at night if I don't. You see, fear is inevitable, but the courageous man will face it. And time is always tick, tick, talking. Make sure that you don't waste it. And I'm not a pickpocket. See, I can't rob you of your journey. But maybe I can offer you some information that will keep you perpetually learning. You see, I do it at a molecular level. I do this instinctually. I do it because my wounds are healing and I want to teach you the remedy. I do it because I'm insecure. I do it because sometimes I'm lonely. I do it because I have to remind myself to stay strong and keep going. I do it for the faint. I do it for the weak. I do it for the bully and for the bleed. I do it for those whose voices are so quiet, oftentimes you don't even hear them when they speak. I do it because I'm unstoppable. I do it because I'm fierce. I do it because my voice might rise you up and make you cheer. You see, boys do what they want. 
But men do what they have to. And I do it because I try. And I do it with a gift. An extraordinary, ordinary, just another guy. Let's take a deep breath. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, David Bianchi. I love you, David. (laughs) I love you too. Thanks for listening to Life on Earth. You can help us by taking a few minutes to leave a rating and review on iTunes. For more inspiring content, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Search Life on Earth in iTunes or visit lifeonearth.podbean.com.